the way. We wanted men. Somebody's got places to be and places to go, things to do. Welcome to episode 133 of the Smugglers Galaxy podcast, your favorite Star Wars podcast for smugglers in the galaxy. I'm Glenn, and with me this morning, you know, every podcaster is like, with me as always is Jason. Happy Tongs Day. Yeah, Tongs Day. Tongs Day, huh? Happy Tongs Day. What is that? Is that from straight from Mandalorian or what is what is that from? Because they were saying that and I don't understand all that. But yeah, I did a quick deep dive um, because I was curious. And there are days of the week that are different from our days of the week. Uh There's Prime Day, Syntax Day, Tongs Day, Zell Day and Bendu Day. So they did say Bendu and Tongs Day. Ah, you know what? Bendu is a reference to. Yeah. Yeah. And then. (laughs) Some locales have other names for the days of the week, including Thursday and Saturday. So I'm sure somewhere in EU, some <laughs> author didn't know better, and they just said, it's Thursday, and I'll see you on Saturday. Oh, that EU stuff. I'm sure they did. That's why they canceled it, because they had too many books to go back to. Or they just wanted to start fresh and didn't want people like us saying, well, actually, in... Well, yeah, that too. In... in I'm trying to think of something other than Heir to the Empire. In I Jedi, <laughs> chapter three, page, paragraph five, the second line of the page says this, and you did that, and it's Intrus- wrong. Intrusive Bakura, they actually said this. I can't remember any other ones. Right yeah. <laughs> I've got a whole library of that stuff downstairs. Yeah. I just haven't read any of it. I'm still trying to make my way through Heir to the Empire so we could do a podcast on it last month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to read that. I just finished um, Indiana Jones and the White Witch. I was over at uh, Second, not Second Chance, Second of Charles. Uh-huh. And they had this book. And I'm like, oh, it's like a vintage 90s Indiana Jones book. I'll read it. But it, lacked the adventure it didn't seem like indiana jones i was just really disappointed with the book but the cover looks really nostalgic yeah that looks great but it's it wasn't a good book that's sort of like the we were talking in band uh, band practice the other day it's like the molly hatchet uh, album covers they have like this viking warrior on it you think it's going to be like this awesome metal album so you buy it and it's southern rock yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> You're expecting Megadeth and you get uh Skinnered. Littered Skinnered. <laughs> Jeez. How's your week going, man? Good. It went by fast. Um, crazy thing, like January comes around, like I normally have MMs before going to bed. Uh-huh. January came around, I decided I'm gonna be healthy. Right. I'm not gonna eat MMs anymore. And I've had horrible sleep ever since then. So last weekend I bought some M&Ms because I'm I'm about to go down Weight Watchers. And I'm like, this is the last hurrah. I have slept so well this week. 
my body's chemistry needs that sugar at eight o'clock. And if it doesn't, I result in like horrible sleep. Maybe you cut the M&Ms that you're eating in half or something. or Maybe. I mean, Maybe are you I'll eating just... a whole bag or is it just like two or three? No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not two or three. Maybe it's a whole bag, <laughs> but like a normal whole bag, not like, a, you know, like the family size share pack. <laughs> right. <laughs> but how was your week? It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Uh, just, yeah, it's work. It's everything, you know, you, it, yeah, it was good. Uh, I was still trying to, like I said, shoot, I'm sure people are tired of hearing it. You're we're in the final stages of getting the house back together. So if you ever want to, you know, remodel your house, remember, it's going to take you months to get that thing put back together. Um, yeah. I went on another podcast last night uh, to talk Ooh. about my band. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, it's like Atlanta original music podcast. I, I'm such uh-huh. a bad guest. Uh, but yeah, we went. Guest. I, yeah. <laughs> You're a better host than guest. Yeah, I'm a better host. It was yeah, Atlanta original music Atlanta is what it's called. It's it's just uh my old drummer and his new guitar player have this podcast. So went on there and talked about the band last night. So if you want to hear me talk about my band, look that podcast up. Awesome. Um but we had like it, it was funny because it started off as me and another guy, and then the me and my guitar player, and then my uh lead singer came on and then the other guitar player came on and we were like, wait a minute. Cause I know doing podcasts when you get more than like four people in a zoom it chat, a it cluster. Gets, it's a cluster. And we had like six and it got to be sort of a cluster, but managed chaos. So it wasn't yeah. too bad. Yeah. You have to be careful because it gets to the point where you can't keep track of voices, but then you never want to make it seem like you're having more fun talking than the listener is listening. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Right. You don't want to be like, yes, I tune my guitar to this and I use these frequencies and these. Yeah. People don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Um, Some I have been getting, but not me. Yeah. What? I've been getting ready for Toylanta. Yeah. And I started making the uh, uh, banner fr- banner stands for our banners. Yeah. So those are almost done. Um, but I had a dream last night that so it's Saturday morning for us and the first day of Toylanta's Friday. So like this week, I'm just like, okay, Friday, next Friday, I have to, you know, do this and this and get ready for that. Make sure when I leave in the morning, I have everything because I'm going straight from work to uh, Toylanta. It's on the other side of town. So there's traffic issues. So like I'm wa- going through this, like in the back of my mind all week long, last night I had a dream that you had called me because I completely missed Toylanta, like <laughs> yesterday was was Toylanta, and I completely flaked. And I'm just like, I woke up this morning, like, how did that happen? How <laughs> you did know, I, I kind of dream had, about that. I kind of had the same thought last night too, because, uh, well, not last night. As I, I was, I was ah, shoot. As I was leaving work yesterday, my boss is giving me grief. He's like, you got any toy stuff going on this weekend? Any Star Wars stuff? And I'm like, no, that's next weekend. We got a big toy show, and uh, you know, we talked about it for a minute. And as I'm walking out, I'm like, wait a minute. What if that was this weekend? No, <laughs> it's next weekend. You're good. <laughs> I think we would. We've got enough stuff planned that we would have talked about it and we would have remembered. So we, there's no way we're going to miss Toyland. No, we're not going to miss Toyland. That's like the biggest toy thing of the year, besides the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors Toy Show on May 13th. Well, I, I think Toyland may be a little bit bigger, but this is just as exciting. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, um. I missed Lucas this week, unfortunately. He was in town. Did you and, go by uh, Second Chance? 
Yeah, I went by Second Chance. He left some micro machines for me, um, like one of the episode one ones. Uh, it's the pack with the Emperor, which is cool because I have the the paint sample of that one. Oh, nice! So this is the first time I actually have the production version. Um, but yeah, I bummed that we couldn't meet up, and he should be coming back soon. So hopefully cool. we can make that work. It was just a matter of I was working, and then I had to take my daughter to orthodontist, and then he had to get on the plane. So freaking orthodontist and planes and yeah and then jordan this week asked me to pick up the black series jesse it was part of the walmart collector con uh-huh. thing and that was frustrating as hell to get because <laughs> yeah uh, uh, yak face said people were getting it but then based on your zip code it was n- blocking you from completing your order what yeah so some people were able to order it some people weren't um i was you know, trying to get it for him. It took me about 20 minutes. And then I decided, you know, I have other things to do. And when I say 20 minutes, I was going back and forth between work and trying to get this thing. It wasn't 20 minutes straight of trying to get this thing. Anyone from work's listening. And it was finally at lunchtime that I was able to order one. So, but it was just so frustrating because it's like 20, 23, you're trying to compete with Amazon. Get your crap together. Yeah. It was funny watching the text messages between the two of y'all. So in the chat. Um, I finished my Tonica sisters. I'm moving on to other characters, and I'm like, how do I make a whir, which is mm-hmm. the bartender? And I noticed Sala from the Indiana Jones Adventure series. Oh. He might make a good one. Um, but I think I'm just gonna wait for that whole line to hit Ollie's. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to pay twenty five dollars for something and bust no. it open and beat it up. Yeah. So I, I think it's gonna have to wait. But I think that's what I'm gonna do. I think that's what my thoughts were this week cool yeah need... thing... go ahead well you go well no i was just gonna say i need to make my way to second chance to pick up my uh gift from lucas too because he he uh, a couple of years ago he gave me a ted or actually yeah ted, i get him all confused and i shouldn't uh, yeah it's your he, thing yeah it's my thing he gave me a ted which is uh the keanu reeves figure and then he gave me a bill uh he left it up at second chance. He painted some stormtroopers, some black series stormtroopers. So yeah, he customized them to look Custom. like Bill and Ted. Yeah. Like the Kenner Kenner figure. So um, yeah, I need to get over there. And my daughter like texted my wife. Oh yeah, I'm at second chance. And I'm like, why didn't somebody tell me she could have picked that up for me? But I'll go tomorrow or later today. We'll see. I was talking to uh, someone last week. I don't want to incriminate them. And I had the idea uh, uh, popped in my head. Because we always joke about Funko not being worth anything. Yeah. And there was the whole like $30 million worth of Funko is just going to be dumped into a dumpster because no one wants to buy it. But at the same time, there it's sustained. Like there's collectors who collect Funko and there are some that have value. Um, and it's been going. But what if Black Series is what we always thought Funko would eventually become? Wow. Because when you look at the aftermarket prices, no one's buying it. The only thing that sells are the loose, cheap ones. Maybe it's not going to become that level, but maybe it is. Like, they're not holding value. I don't know. Maybe Hasbro shot themselves in the foot by repeating and repacking and reusing and retooling. Yeah. That's an interesting thought because it is you're you're right. It's the stuff that people are buying cheap. They don't want the you know, we've I think we've kind of 
uh, programmed ourselves as collectors to wait for clearance because it, you know, it happened with the TIE fighter. It was a $160 piece. And then you could find that at clearance for under a hundred if you do, you know, so I, and, um, I think we've, we've done that to ourselves and Hasbro's done it too. So yeah, I could see that and it, it, it sucks, but it's also, we also tell people don't collect for an investment, you know, collect because it's what you want. And if you were collecting black series and as an investment and it, and it falls through, I mean, that, that's kind of, it, it's the, it falls, it's on you, but it's also, you know, it's a risk you take. Collect what you love, but don't expect the windfall at the end of the line exactly. for Black Series because it's probably not going to happen. Right. I mean, there's some pieces that you know the 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 exclusive stuff like the Thrawn, I, uh, and the the exclusive Thrawn, the exclusive um, Boba Fett. That stuff's still holding value. Yeah. I can't believe I think so. I saw somebody sell one of those Thrawns for a couple of hundred bucks, which blew me away. Yeah, that's like one seventy five. Yeah, I, I paid. Which like I regret 50. not picking up. Yeah, I paid like 50 bucks for mine a few years ago. I was at a toy sh- uh, toy shop that was in the process of moving or unpacking, and they let me dig through their stuff, and they had a Thrawn, and I picked it up. I was like, how much you want for this? It was 50 bucks. It was like sold because I tried buying it from Hasbro Pulse, and of course, you know, you're, you're typical. It's in your basket. You're putting your credit card information in, and by the time you get done with it, they're like, oh, it's sold out. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, did you pick anything up this week? Uh, I am waiting for a package from CAS. Uh huh. My Wampa finally graded. Um, it's supposed to be in here today. They, they, FedEx is giving me a window between 10, 10 20 and two twenty. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, he they said about six months, and it's been right at six months. Um, it graded a seventy, which I wasn't expecting it to grade high because it is in pretty rough shape. But I wanted to grade it to keep it intact because it is a sealed box and uh so that should be here and of course it's signature required so thankfully they sent it to me on a uh on a saturday i'm surprised they're doing a saturday delivery for it but uh that'll help me out because i can just hang out here and wait for it yeah so maybe we'll get a live unboxing oh we'll, we'll see we'll maybe see. this this episode will have a plot twist halfway through and we'll see yeah um yeah, that I think it? That's, that's it. I've, I've, I'm holding out for Toyland, man. I got some, uh, you know, and I'm trying to, I, I was going to think, like, what kind of game can we play with Toyland? Because it's always fun when you turn something into a game. Because I turned to Conyers Toy Show a couple of years ago. I just brought stuff to trade. And you end up walking out of there with a Barada because you end up trading so much that you can walk out of there with, you know, a, a last 17 figure. Uh, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll just bring like 100 bucks to Toyland and keep myself to that and see what happens yeah you know but i don't i you know i don't know i'm not expecting to find anything too crazy but uh we'll see yep yeah i'm just look i'm just looking for uh black series jawa that tebow yeah not tebow tika the the jawa from obi-wan because that Mm -hmm. one could be customized for a canteen alien (laughs) and and i'm kind of I'd like to see a Sabine TIE fighter in the flesh, you know, in person. Uh, that's not saying that I'm going to buy it because I have a feeling if it's going to be there, they're going to want high eBay prices, um, which I have seen them start to go for their, their prices on those are starting to drop. So that the market's cooling on those a little bit, yeah. but they're still going for over a hundred dollars under to 150 is what they're. That's they're better than $500. Right. 
my humble opinion. Yeah, somebody had sold uh one of the hologram TIE fighters. It was only 500 made for 500. And uh, somebody in one of the groups were like, man, if you want mine for 500, I'll throw in some uh, unproduced figures too. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, and I'm thinking it's the it's, it's the the um Kylo Ren thing you've got. Oh. He, yeah. Oh, that micro machine playset. Yeah, I think oh. that's what he said he had. So he, it was like, hmm, maybe I should I miss that Jason post. This. Miss that post. <laughs> I do have some Jazzwares uh, news, but before we get into news, real quick, I just want to announce that the Hoagie Bros food truck will be at the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors Toy Show on May thirteenth. So bring em- um, empty stomachs and bring your extra cash so you can buy yourself a sandwich. Yeah, they make some badass sandwiches. And he's funny. The guy's funny. He's one of those guys. He's he's just shy of the soup soup Nazi, but he's not mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you you're sitting there cooking and he's giving you crap and giving everybody crap because he has a, a you know, a lot of regulars and he makes a damn good sandwich. Yeah. So, come on by. Yeah. Uh so Max Maxwell Lux from Jazzwares was on the Nostalgic Adam YouTube channel. They did a two-hour live stream and they talked about a bunch of things. Quickly wrote down a couple of those items. Max is funny because if you get him on there long enough, he'll hint at something, but then later on, he'll start telling you what he was hinting at. So yeah, I'm just going to kind of go in order to try to capture the magic of Max talking. <laughs> Distribution issues started the conversation trying to find they're trying to find innovative ways to get chases out that's all he's going to say he's going to go and find out if 5000 of items have actually been made cuz what they do is they'll case pack and then they'll finish that order and so they'll distribute the chases and the rare ones in some of those packs but not all of them but they might not have made 5000 they might have only made 2500 they might have only made 3000 because they've got their giant case order with all of series 1 all of series 2 ordered so he's going to go back he's going to triple check to make sure that that number is true sometimes they underproduce based on the cases if that's the case he's going to try to find other ways to get things like the Sabine tie fighter out so if they've only made 4000 because that's you know they needed 20,000 boxes, and based on the way that they mix things in, there's a 1,000 left of those those Sabine TIE Fighters. He's going to try to find a way to get those out there, those extra 1,000. Yeah, I'd be happy with. But he said, "Uh, look for some sort of announcement in July. So he does tell tell us what he's thinking about this innovative idea to get chases out. Um, So I'll get to that in just a second. Stores have already committed up to Series 4 right now. He said, the problem is they need to clear out Series 1. And he says, this is a problem with every toy line when you launch it, that you don't know what the magic number is. You can uh, dial it in after you've got all your numbers out there and you see how it's selling. So for Series 2 and Series 3, they're able to say, well, we made 20,000, but we only need 10. Well, the problem right now is they've had an extra 10,000 sitting on the store shelf. So they need to get rid of those so they can get Series 2 out, they can get Series 3 out. And the numbers should be better dialed in now. So we shouldn't see the the store shelves clogged with all these items. I also right, have to that, say. I, yeah. I, I, I hate to. Yeah. But uh, that's what we were talking with our buddy Kelly about. And and, and he he nailed it right on the head. It's like they're holding. He's kind of thinking, well, maybe Target's holding stuff in the back room. You know, the local Targets are because they got all this stuff on clearance. And, you know, Walmart's got to be because Walmart shelves are just 
jam packed full of that stuff. They way over over ordered uh, Micro Galaxy Squadron. Yeah, so they have to work with stores now to figure out how to mark things down and try to clear things out. So it's a whole thing that they're working through right now, but they are they are getting there. Um, what was the thing I was going to say? It might come back to me. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. Uh, the Pod Racer is Series 1 of the Battle Series. It's not part of Series 1, so it's kind of a leap. It's tough to make the distinction. But there's Series 1, and then there's Series 1 of the Battle Series. Okay. So that's why it says Series 1 on it. I I love, they were like, how the hell did I get to New Zealand? I have no clue. So yeah, they they don't even know how New Zealand got those before everybody else did. He had no clue how Macy's got the Marauder either. He's just like, this is beyond me. It's a Target exclusive. It'll drop on April 23rd, 22nd, 24th. Uh, So the Marauder is coming if you're worried that you have to spend 250 bucks on ebay just hold off because it is a target exclusive it is coming that's part of the reason why i didn't buy it at macy's because it was overpriced um talking about the battle series real quick he mentioned the battle of carcoon okay which one's that one that's the one over the sarlacc pit Ooh. so i'm like is that a large situation or is that just two skiffs like what does that look like sarlacc pit that you can dangle skiffs over maybe we'll see Ooh. um the 25th anniversary you mentioned of the phantom menace is next year uh there's a possibility that we'll get more pod racers you kind of have to read between the lines when he talks but it sounded like if we were to do that it would be next year during the 25th anniversary he said they recently went through a brainstorming session and looked at every possible ship they could ever make and they even watched droids, the old cartoon. Wow. And, they, and there was one designer who was like, we need to make this ship. But it only appeared in one episode of droids. <laughs> and he said the problem with things like that is his favorite ship from series one is the Asajj Ventress ship, which is peg warming. And he admitted that it's too deep of a cut, mm-hmm. that it's just not selling well. And so that's the challenge when you're doing deep cuts like that. Yeah, it's fun, but at the same time, they don't sell well. It's not an X-Wing. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chance that we probably won't see anything from droids. I mean, it would be cool if they made the White Witch, but which is a, a legendary toy, but it's just probably not going to happen. No, because we would be the only ones that would be excited to see it. Yeah. Wave 4 and 5 will, will be revealed at Star Wars Celebration London. It won't be live streamed, <sighs> but they're hoping to record it. I'm so Uh, jealous. I want to go to Celebration just to see that. They have paint samples that they're going to show off for Series 5. They don't have anything production yet. He said Wave 4 is a big wave. It's supposed to be the Fall 23. Fall fall toy waves are huge. Those are the big pushes. Um, It's the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, so I feel like this is going to be like a Return of the Jedi wave. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing... He said, whatever the uh, class the Millennium Falcon is, we're going to get another one of those size classes. So I'm thinking it's going to be the Imperial Shuttle. Okay. Oh, so 40th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. He, dude, the way that they described Celebration, it just, it looks like they finally got their act. I mean, they, not that they didn't have their act together last Celebration, but, you know, he was describing that they're going to have like a case with the glass, the tempered glass that you can't see through. And then like all of a sudden, just some, at one point during the day, 
one of the cases will open up and you'll be able to see everything. And I'm just, I'm like, yeah. doggone it. Why couldn't you done that in California? Um, and in, there again, I think California was just rushed and London they're taking their time with. Um, but do, should we, should we ask, tell them what the uh, secret code word is? Did yeah. Catch that. Yeah, I did. I've so, already told uh, Ryan. Yeah. You already told Ryan get something. So if anybody's going to celebration London and you walk up there and go beep boop, they'll give you something. And if you want to ship it to one of us, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be a blind pack with a Star Wars Celebration London sticker on it. But yeah. just tell them that you watched the Nostalgic Adam live stream and you know the secret password for the exclusive and it's beep boop. Beep boop. So, yeah, that's what he said. He said it might be a little bit more exclusive. It sounded like it might have been like a special paint scheme of one of the of a speeder. But then he also said it's probably just going to have the Celebration London sticker on it. So it's some kind of way it's an exclusive to Celebration London. Um, San Diego Comic-Con will have exclusives this year. Ooh. Um, he kind of hinted at a Battle of Hoth pack, like those multi-packs they were doing, a Snowspeeder and an ATST. Okay. No word if they're doing an ATAT, but that would be pretty huge and expensive. Yeah. Uh, he said wave four, which is that wave that's releasing this fall, will be the next vehicle to have lights and sounds. Um, I'm wondering if it's the Imperial shuttle. Should be cool. Um, I don't know what else. What else big Millennium Falcon size would be in there? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost. It's not in Return of the Jedi, guy. It's not in Return of the Jedi. I, yeah, you're right. If you're going to go Return of the Jedi, then it has to be the Imperial shuttle. Shuttle. That would be that big, yeah. I mean, and and you an ADAT would be too big, I think. And, and not, yeah. I mean, there isn't one in Return of the Jedi, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. Because then they could yeah. just reuse that for Hoth. Yeah, it'd have to be an Imperial shuttle. I mean, I'm racking my brain. Yeah, I don't know what what they would put Return of the Jedi unless they're gonna do no, because the skiffs don't have lights and sound, right? No, not really. And they're too small. Like, you want something Millennium Falcon size. See, that's what throws me off, is you forget that it's to scale, so a skiff would be a couple of inches. It is, but it isn't. They said that the gauntlet, they had to scale down, otherwise it would just be too big to make. Right. But there's fighters that size, because there's different scales, different size gauntlets. Mm -hmm. So it is true, but it isn't true at the same time. Disney Parks came to Jazzwares with an idea, and Max was so excited. Ooh. So they want to do more in the parks. I'm hoping for uh, Star Speeder 3000 or 2000 That'd from be cool. Star Tours. That would be my jam with the little Rex in there. So that'd be cool. Um, or maybe the escape pod that you fly out with, but that would be really small, I guess, for, for uh, Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to future releases with stands. He mentions specifically R Return of the Jedi Boba Fett Starship. I was What's curious wh why he was so specific to mention Return of the Jedi's Boba Fett Starship. But I'm wondering if that's because it's the 40th anniversary and it's coming already. Maybe. They um, better put a stand with it because those things are sitting on the shelf. Interestingly... He says a price announcement is coming spring 2024, contrary to what's happening in the toy industry. Hmm. So does that mean prices are going down for this? 
Well, I mean, he also said that, you know, when like with the battle pack, with the lat battle packs, they announced them at close to $40 and then Target sells them at 30. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when they announce a price, it's just a MSRP Target can do whatever they want. So maybe they're thinking, you know what, it if Target's willing to sell it for 30 and it's selling or, you know, maybe they'll do a price drop. It might be a so. way to it might be a way to get those things to sell too, because I you know maybe people are you know it, it does scare me seeing them sitting on the shelves. Maybe they'll decrease the prices on the big packs on like the Millennium Falcon and stuff. Yeah, he called he talked about uh, the sales pattern, I guess, for these this line of vehicles where there's a big bump. You know, everyone's buying it for Series Two, but then afterwards, it's like, how do you maintain and sustain that? that growth how do you get people on the other side on the the downward trend of people buying it they stop buying it they need kids to get into it so it's like how do you get that so they had discussions um internally at jazzwares about that he didn't really mention the strategy itself but he did say that they're talking about a strategy to keep things sold right and i think it's a you know it's hard for somebody to spend 30 dollars on a millennium falcon for their kid 20 they're probably going to do it 30 you're thinking about 20 you're like yeah sure whatever kid yeah i agree so that's that's the reason why i never got the millennium falcon as a kid it was just too expensive but i can get little figures right um he kept hinting at exclusives there's possibly two amazon exclusives he's interested in a death star he didn't come right out to say no so i think they're trying to figure out the Death Star, but I don't understand how they could do that to scale uh, other than maybe it's just a flat piece of the Death Star. Yeah, unless they do something like the micro collection where it's... Yeah, micro machines? Micro, no, micro collection, old school. Even, but my, yeah, and he mentioned the micro machine playset, the the Death Star that pulls apart the Tatooine. Oh, Okay. Or something like that too. I'm sorry, I forgot that they did that, where you had like the head or the thing that looked like a Death Star, and then it did something else. Well, that's right. He talked about it on our podcast, and he said like that's the only time Baru and Uncle Owen were featured as skeletons in a toy <laughs> form. Right. Yeah, because he was like, "What's the weirdest toy you can you you've ever seen?" And that that came up. So I wonder if he was talking about the Death Star then at Jazzwares, and that's why it was fresh in his mind. Maybe. But something like that would work because you would you could actually make like the trench run. Well, no, that would have to be huge. Never mind. I'm thinking micro uh, action fleet, the little bitty ships. You, they had big ships. There's no way it'd be that'd be huge if you did a Death Star run with those. So you remember at the start of this new segment, I talked about uh, him saying there's going to be like an innovative way to collect the chases and stuff like that. Uh huh. Would you pay extra to get everything in one giant box? If it's affordable, maybe. Limited to like 200 pieces. So I'm wondering if this is like a $500 thing. Ooh. There's no price attached to it. He just, the only thing he threw out was limited to 200 pieces. Um, But I think it would be everything like, for example, in series two, you would get everything in series two, including Mm. all the blind packs you would get all the chases and rarities. Um, wow. Trying to total out everything in my mind, you know, you're probably spending about two hundred dollars maybe for a series in total. Yeah, it, I don't know if I'd pay five. I mean, if you're paying two just to do it, and then you're going to pay an extra three hundred, 
not. But if you're going to, if, you know, if it's the same price, I would do it. Yeah, it, it would be uh, at an elevated price of some sort. There would be an, a specialized price point. You would get like some sort of letter signed by the entire toy manufacturing team, the toy wow. team that created the thing. Um, and my wife asked me last night, you know, would you do that? Would you? Isn't the the hunt part of the the fun? And I'm like, I've been hunting this Sabine Tie Fighter yeah. for two months now. If I could just buy it for a couple hundred bucks and be done, mm-hmm. I'm in. Right. It the the chase, the thrill, of the hunt isn't there anymore. It's Dude, it, just give it, me the dang thing. It is I'm so gone for, for me. I've passed so many targets where I'm like, I'm just done. I can't. You know, oh, I'm passing a target right now. No, dude, no, I'm done. No, it's probably not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the thrill of the hunt's totally gone on this for me. It's just it's a bummer. Yeah. It sucks that it is because you're like yesterday, I'm passing a target and it's like, I'm just done because I stop because of my job. I can, if I pass one, I can stop because I'm on the road and it just, it, it gets annoying. And he did announce that we're getting a land speeder, but he didn't say how. And he said it might be rare. So we'll see, but that's coming too. Well, wouldn't the land speeder be about the size of a blind pack? I think so. I think he hinted with us that the land speeder would be a blind pack. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember everything. You were so excited after that. You were just like, oh my God. Yeah. You sounded like a little kid. I am. I'm still 12, year old, 12, 12 years old inside. <laughs> According to Deadline, Willow will not return for season two. Disney is cutting back on shows. They're delaying movies. They're cutting costs. I mean, look what's happening with some of the Avengers stuff. They've delayed that for a while. So this isn't a surprise. I've said all I needed to say about Willow. I know there's people who love it. I shared it on the Georgia Alliance group. There's a lot of people who loved it. There's a lot of people who, like me, didn't like it. So, you know, if you like the show, I'm sorry. If you didn't like the show... The bleeding is ending. <laughs> well, I heard that they they also were like, "Oh, we're just delaying it." I'd I'd like to see the story end instead of just being like, "Oh, you know, this is what what we're we're leaving you on a cliffhanger." But then again, I don't remember what the cliffhanger was. Uh, yeah, like there was another version of her in the worm world. Oh yeah, and the kid from Spider Man was trapped there. Okay, so Flash Thompson, I forget his name and. In the show, but yeah, and so like storytelling wise, tell your story, leave some threads, but don't do cliffhangers unless it's the second season, mm-hmm. like Empire Strikes Back. Like they should have just told the story and wrapped it up because there's no promise that there's going to be season two or three. So I don't think they did that right. But right, you're gonna like this next one. Filoni spoke to IO9 this week, and when he asked, "Did you did you see this clip?" This Nuh-uh. quote. When no. he asked if he knew Rebels would play out over the Mandalorian, he said, at the time I did the ep- epilogue of Rebels, I had an idea of what the story would be, and it was definitely, so all of that, just to answer your question, I would say yes. It was definitely an option in my mind that this could be live, live action going forward. Um, yeah. I, I, I truthfully, I have a feeling the way Mandalorian's playing out that you're going to round a corner and there's going to, Ahsoka will pop up or... It, or Sabine will be there. We're going to see some rebels. It, they've they've got to do a better tie-in. They've got a. We got another show coming up in six months, and you guys have got to be ready for it. Type situation. He adds, 
you have to decide what's best for the story. And I think we found, you know, whatever my story is about in Ahsoka, I'm very pleased. Nice. So that does kind of connect that this might be Rebel Season 5. Ahsoka or Mandalorian? For Ahsoka, it's Rebel Season 5. Yeah. Um, I got and, a big smile on my face for people yeah. watching or people listening on the... Uh, it's a- to answer the question, he said, and you know, I didn't know John would be doing the Mandalorian at the time when I did that epilogue. That was all in motion, but I didn't understand Ahsoka's role in it, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I do know that this time period, because I grew up a lot with the expanded universe material in it, so I think that's going to be an influence on what the future holds for the existing post-return of the Jedi world. So, look for a lot of that EU stuff. Uh, remember that Galad Pel- Pelion was in Star Wars Rebels. He is the second in command to Thrawn in the Heir to the Empire okay. trilogy. It was a major commander, Pelion. Pelion. P E L L A E O N. I'll have to pay attention when I break back out my book. Yeah, he he had like a quick cameo in Star Wars Rebels. So he was on Thrawn's ship, but he's also an heir to the Empire. And I'm wondering if that's who Ray Stevenson plays in Ahsoka. He plays his character from Heir to the Empire. Hmm. Should be awesome. Yeah. I, also- no, no, I did see it. Maybe the same article where I, I just glanced over it and how the, they were like, yes, a live action. Something's going to happen where Ahsoka and Mandalorian and and maybe even Andor all kind of tie together. I our book of Bo- no, his book of Boba Fett all tie together sometime. Saloni yeah. also spoke to the rap this week. He talked about all of this heading towards a climactic story event on Disney. Wow, Plus. I just talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, go for he, it. He says it's interesting, a way to think about it. I tend to think as we've been working on the Mandalorian and then writing Ahsoka, and then John Watts came in with the skeleton crew. There's an entire time period that is post-Return of the Jedi, and I look at this time period, which before The Force Awakens is around 30 years of time. When you look at the original trilogy, it's much less significant amount of time than those three movies take place in. So what I like is that we're really building very slowly an ecosystem of characters and politics and events in the post-Return of the Jedi time period, and that may or may not expand into a bigger way as we add more shows to it and more characters to it. The good thing is that we're all taking talking creatively together about where these stories are going. I love whiteboards. I whiteboard everything and I have timelines. There's always start they they always start back with the Phantom Menace and they always go out to the Rise of Skywalker. Wow. I have all these sh- slots in between where everybody's doing everything so I can take a look and commiserate with Kathleen Kennedy on what's going on here, what's going on there. It's very fun. I'd love to see one of those whiteboards, man. Wow. Can you and imagine they, that what's on there are the nerd stuff? We can nerd yeah, out watching one of yeah. those. Thrawn's here, and we can have Thrawn in this section of the story. Um, I've, I, I've also heard a rumor that the pirate from season three of The Mandalorian is going to be the bad guy in Skeleton Crew. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's a cool way to introduce that. Yep. Um, to conclude that quote from Filoni, he adds, I think there, I think that the reality of there being a big event in this time period is very real, is all I would say to that. But yes, if John wanted to keep making the Mandalorian stories as long as he does not get bummed, bumped off and said a Titanic event, then they, I suppose, could continue. So I, I think he means like 
the Mandalorian dies in this event, mm-hmm. and then John Favreau has nothing else to do. Right. There doesn't seem to be any lack of interest in Grogu and Mandalorian, that's for sure. So sounds like it's a very real possibility. Yeah, I yeah. We we can get into my uh thoughts on on the Mandalorian here in a minute. But... Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. What's your thoughts? Well, just the way that I think the last episode with the way Bo-Katan is is her arc, she's becoming more of a main character with, uh, with her joining the uh night's watch not the one night night's watch children the, of the uh, watch. children of the watch uh and i think with her seeing the mythosaur it's opening now her instead of I, it, instead of din becoming more like Bo, i think Bo's going to become more like din and she's going to end up ruling and it's going to she's going to end up going on a totally different path than what we were expecting and i I just I have a feeling that the Mandalorian show is going to go in a different direction next season. And we may it because it already is. I mean, not that it already is, but I think they're trying to wean us off of of Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and Grogu a little bit. Yeah, no, I would point back to what I just said with uh, Dave Filoni saying there's there's plenty of love for the Mandalorian and Grogu. So that's going to that train's going to keep on trucking. Oh, I think so. I don't think it's going to morph in anything else, I think. It's the Mandalorian and Grogu. Look at look at what happened to Mandalorian at Disney parks. He got he got swarmed. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to change. I think they're going to continue with the Mandalorian and Grogu. Well, maybe we'll get a third show. I could see a spinoff, and I would love to see a Bo Katan show. I just don't think they're going to push Mandalorian aside anytime soon. Din. Okay. I, 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 yeah, you're right. It, it is a money train, but you know, I, I also think that they're putting Bo Katan, um, uh, you know, scooting her up and building her up to, to, for something. I agree. They're, they're spending too much time on Bo Katan the last three or four episodes, or the last, especially the last one, uh, you know, with her seeing the mythosaur and that something's going to happen with that character. Well, let's get into the convert because, yeah. What you're talking about with Bo-Katan, I think it wraps up at the end of the show. Yes. Um, where that's all headed. So let's talk about the show real quick. What did first before I start, what were your thoughts of chapter 19, The Convert, directed by Lee Isaac Chung and written by John Favreau and Noah Clore? Um, I I tuned in for a uh, episode of Mandalorian and Andor showed up. Is, Is my that a bad, bad thing? Not necessarily. I think it's a bad thing in the fact that you were wanting the Mandalorian story to be uh, 
pushed forward. And we've got a little bit of that, but we didn't get the push that we were wanting. Uh, I then that would be my answer. I think everybody's wanting to see what because we're a, we're a hurry up and give it to me um, society. Yeah. And we don't the storytelling, I think, in the last episode was really good. But we we want to see Din Djarin and Baby Yoda is what everybody's seeing. Or let's see the Mandalorians. Let's see that storyline uh, push forward. I don't care what happens to the clone doctor and he's showing you the clone doctor. Maybe it's it's a way to teach us patience. I don't know. But I I really enjoyed it uh, from a storytelling line because it was one of those shows where it's like put down the phone and pay attention. Yeah. I agree. The first time I watched it, I was like, what, what is this? Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Um, the second time I watched it to take notes for this episode of, of our podcast, I fell in love with it. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Cause in, in the return of the Jedi, Mon Mothma is a tertiary character. Who's got five minutes of screen time. You can't explore her background, her relationships, like none of that stuff. She's just there, and then she's gone. She serves her purpose to serve the Skywalker saga. In a 12-episode, one-hour show, you're able to take a deep breath. You're able to explore her interpersonal relationships with her family. You're able to see her maneuver the rebellion through monetarily uh, monetary actions you know like you're able to take your time and see things that you normally wouldn't see because luke skywalker's too busy waving his lightsaber right and so this was like a deep breath this showed this is just like the be- one of the best the best of like eu novels however it did feel like halfway through reading the novel i just threw it across the room and i never got back to it like it was a great novel i read half of it but i don't know where it's going i don't know where it is i don't know if i'm ever going to come back to it right yeah, I, do, do we got to be coming back to it? Because I, I really think they are setting something up to explain the saga, the the sequel saga. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, you know, they they left it on a little bit of a cliffhanger uh, and they, they need to button that up. We need to figure out what her deal is with the, you know, is she a uh, working for the Empire, you know, as a as a mole? Uh, was that her whole job was to, I mean, are we going to go, are we just, yeah, let's just talk about it. Cause we don't have a whole lot of time. Cause you, you got to go. We yeah. don't need to go punch by punch on this. Let me do, um, let's do high level. Yeah. Okay. Let's start, let's start at the beginning. Yes. Is that all right? Yeah. Let's do that. So we leave off exactly where the last episode left off with Bo-Katan kind of staring into the water and looking into it, probably in disbelief. I mean, she's doing home and acting. You, you as the viewer are inserting your thoughts into what the character is saying because you can't, you have no cues as to what her face is saying. She's just staring into the water. So we're just assuming that she's flabbergasted by seeing uh, Mythosaur. She does mention that it was a shallow pool. It's been opened up probably because of the bombing. Mm-hmm. She asked Din if he's seen anything. Uh, he said he hasn't. So she's holding on to a secret now that there's a Mythosaur in there. We still don't get an answer as to how he fell in. Is it? Is there a baby mythosaur? Is there? Did he? Did the steps kind of just abruptly end, and Beskar armor is just too heavy, and he just fell to the depth? That he has no way to propel himself back up. That's what I think truly happened. Uh, I think Din Djarin, They're kind of some. I was listening to another podcast, and they're like Din Djarin's just becoming an idiot, or you know, because you know. 
Din Djarin versus Bo-Katan, and, you know, Bo-Katan is just very confident and, you know, doesn't take any shit. And in Din Djarin, when he wants to be is, but he's just, they're not building him up to be a hero. They're building, uh, not really building him up to be a hero, but they're showing his flaws and he's yeah. got a lot of flaws. Yeah. Now that you mention it, it's like Din Djarin is only good at one thing, being a bounty right. hunter. Yeah. Everything else, he sucks. Yep. He's not in a position to lead the Mandalorians. Correct. Back on the gauntlet, now this is interesting. Um, Bo asked in if he would like to stay for a feast, um, but she kind of guesses that the helmet's not coming off right. anytime soon, to which Din says, this is the way. And then Bo-Katan just kind of, yep, this is the way. Mm-hmm. And then Grogu kind of mumbles something to himself. We're not sure if he's trying to say this is the way or not, but it seems like he's trying, and it both been uh, been I combined them. <laughs> so this is the new benefer. Both Bo Katan and Din have taken notice that he's trying to say something, but before they can do anything, Tie Fighter Tie Interceptors come in. The best kind of Tie Fighter, the Tie Interceptor. Yeah, they're flying through. They're racing to get to the N one. I thought this was an awesome scene. Din gets on the you know the guns. He's shooting these things. He mentions that Tie Interceptors are more difficult to take down than regular tie fighters which i'm like yes go tie interceptors <laughs> they just look cool um and then there's a really cool scene where uh you know grogu jumps into his his pram he closes down he's getting ready for battle mode and then uh din Djarin jumps from the drop underneath the gauntlet and he's just flying down to the, to the landing pad and tie interceptors are like flying around them they're almost going to hit him uh, there's a tie interceptor closing in on the N1, and he he lands. He jumps in. He takes off before that tie interceptor could take him out. He flies straight up into the air. He does a Batman thing from yeah. you know the original Batman movie where he flies as high as he could go, and then he just cuts engines, turns down, and he flies in and he takes out that tie interceptor. And I just I thought this whole scene was cool. There's a classic classic Star Wars line where Bo-Katan is flying the cliffs of the moon, and R5 is freaking out. And Bo says, don't worry, I grew up on these cliffs, meaning like she's an expert flyer. Then her wing touches one of the sides of the cliff, and she says, of course, it's been a while. Yeah. I'm just I wanna, like, that's a classic line. I want to go back to Din Djarin's landing, and this is why people are saying that they're building him up to be, you know, just I'm only good at bounty hunting. He should have nailed – he missed that landing. And people are like reading into it. Oh, look, he mi- he should have had he could have had this really awesome superhero landing, but they chose to make him miss it and roll. So that's why people are trying to build him up. Like he's only good at one thing, like you were saying, bonnie hunting. Yeah, and I go back to like um, some of the best action movies: Die Hard, Mission Impossible Four. I specifically call the fourth one out because nothing ever goes right; uh-huh. it all goes wrong. And I think that just adds to the drama. Okay. What do I know? I'm just we're just a couple of idiot podcasters. We're just uh, amateurs trying our best. Yes. Um, so Mando does his best. He destroys most of the TIE fighters. Uh, Bo-Katan kills that last one by doing a spin move where she uses the drag of her ship to flip the ship around. That was amazing. Out, yeah, to take out the interceptor. And then the ship starts falling down. And so there's the the reverse G's working on the the ship, and R five starts flowing floating up, and she kicks in the afterburners, and they take off, and then R five slams down and starts being dragged back. Did you notice she cool was scene. coming out of her seat too at that yes. moment? Yeah. yeah. And then we see 
some smoke on the horizon. Uh, there's some tie bombers that are blowing up her palace. She says those mud scuffers bombed my home. Um, so we have another curse word, mud scuffers. Uh, Bo-Katan is in hot pursuit. She takes out one of the bombers and then ahead of, in the mist, like a dozen tie interceptors emerge. Um, they take off into space. But before that, she says, there's a lot of ships for a warlord. I'm assuming that this is Moff Gideon who wants yeah. revenge for what happened on that last episode of season two, the rescue. Um, he's out for revenge. He's going to destroy her home. He's trying to destroy her. He's coming back for revenge. There was a line in what the first episode that he's suffering from a war tribunal. Right. He's going and to war. And then the they, next the, episode the, they said he escaped. The, this episode they said he escaped. Okay. So they're setting up that he's in this and there's rumors as to where he is and nobody's knows exactly sure where he is. I'm pretty sure he's back. He wants revenge. He's doing two things, seeking revenge for what happened to him and trying to fulfill his original mission of cloning someone. Right. So we cut to Coruscant and this is where I think the episode takes a left turn and it's great. Um, yeah. We're well, back. I I just I want to I love seeing Coruscant. So from that point, it was really cool because yeah. that it's just it's a crate that planet when you think about it is like built on top of it, you know, and, and it's just it's crazy seeing that planet. Yeah, and it was crazy going back to an exact location of Revenge of the Sith, mm -hmm. that that opera hall where we saw that opera of uh, I think they're Mon Calamari doing their ballet. Oh. And the water bubbles, and that's uh -huh. where Sidious does. Have I ever told you the the? Oh, I didn't. Have you ever heard the story of Plagueis yeah, the that, Wise? Plagueis the Wise. That whole thing went down in the same hall. Oh, but nice. He, but here we see uh, Doctor Penn Pershing talking about the amnesty program. So he's catching us up to date as to what what's gone on with him. He's getting a second chance. He's thanking everybody for that opportunity. Uh, his research, he admits, was cruel and humane inhumane uh an individual intent on using cloning technology to secure more power for himself that's what his his goal was or that's what his research was leading towards he regrets what he did and despite the original intention being good he he kind of says he admits that he lost his mother his heart her heart gave out and he vowed to help others so they would never suffer for that loss on the Kamoans work um which straightforward cloned a DNA strand, he wanted to incorporate different attributes from a donor. So that's where Grogu's blood comes from. He was trying to take the force sensitivity from that and insert it in with maybe um, Snoke and was just trying to create something new for the Emperor, I would assume, to get into. Yeah. There's a reception afterwards we see. Uh, I'm not getting the high points there, am I? Um, but it, I thought that was interesting, the, the pompous people afterwards kind of congratulating him, saying how wonderful they are in a matter of way. Um, I thought the Mon Calamari really did well for themselves after <laughs> the destruction of the... They're everywhere. Right. They're scientists. They're in the high life. They're... Um, yeah, they really are, because there was a Mon Calamari scientist at the back at the, the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, They've done really well for themselves. I really think this whole episode was a way of saying, like, you know, it doesn't matter that the way that because the way they filmed it, 
it felt to me that it doesn't matter who's in charge. It's still going to be the same. Yeah, from the point of view of the elite in, in the galaxy, absolutely. They're still making money despite who's running. Right. They don't care. Empire, Rebels, New Republic, we still have billions of dollars. Right. Billions of credits. This is where it gets cool because uh, Pershing goes to um, Amnesty Housing. He's catered by an Uber that looks just like McCoy's original C-3PO drawing. Yeah. Um. And he's invited to come over with other officers for a drink. He introduces himself as Amnesty Scientist L-52. Um, G-68 is a familiar face. It's Elia Kane, the communication officer from Moff Gideon's ship, and this troubles Pershing. I just want to... Do I want to talk about this right now? Because this is one of the high points. We'll get to it then. Okay. Um, I'm trying to look through my notes and skip some of this. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to go blow by blow on this one because no, no, it's no, pretty no. straightforward. Uh, they talk about Bendu Day. Um, some, you know, the, the Ma- Monument Plaza is what I want to talk about. Right. Um, the some of early Macquarie's artwork. A magician is doing some close-up magic. Kane says there's trillions of residents on the planet. Pershing says it makes him feel insignificant. Um, Kane says she was trained on Coruscant. They thought they were doing good. Pershing says. He, he was too. He thought he was doing good. He was so close to breakthroughs, which could have done really good. So that's whole episode for Pershing is about his intent to do good, the perversion by the Empire, the 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 lack of of uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um success, not success, but the lack that he was near success. He never achieved it. Mm-hmm. He could have done some really, really good. Um Kane introduces the thought, you know, following orders blindly is foolish, even if it's the Empire or if it's the New Republic. Just following these orders blindly, maybe you could do some good. You should trust your gut. So after this conversation between the two about trusting your gut, we hear the rise of resistance, the march of resistance from the Force Awakens music. It's Mm -hmm. in the background. It's like a carnival. Um, so I'm like, what's the connection there? This is something Ruciano pointed out in the chat. Yeah, I, yeah, the, the, yeah. I'm going to let you get into it a little bit more, but keep going. I, I don't know, man. Go for it. Keep. So, keep. like, is are they saying that he's resisting the New Republic, or this is the start of the First Order, and the Resistance is going to be there? You know. Yeah. I, I just I felt like what I what I was alluding to earlier is is um it also felt because they are instead of using names, they're using numbers. And then you see them when he's in his cubicles, it's the same feel as Andor. It even feels like when they're in their apartments, it's the same apartments as Andor. Y- you know? Yeah, I didn't really take my notes here. I my notes are a blow by blow. It's not the high level, so it's right. skipping a little bit here, but let me go down to this one section. So his name now is L-52. It's no longer Penn Pershing. Right. It's the exact same thing the First Order did to Stormtroopers. Yep. Finn was actually named FN-2187. These are people who don't have names. Essentially, Pershing is a space Nazi who did yep. horrible atrocities across the galaxy. You don't want somebody like that in your New Republic, but the New Republic is supposed to be different than the empire and they even mentioned the empire would have done worse they would have killed us 
Right. And so they've this amnesty program has stripped and deprogrammed the person out of that imperial officer. So they are essentially droids. And it's interesting because have you ever seen Blade Runner? I I have, but it's I hate. <laughs> I, I I, yeah, I shoot. I saw Blade Runner the, the the second one. I don't think I've ever saw the first one. Yeah, so essentially, there's replicants which are humans, but they're droids. They're not humans. Mm-hmm. They look just like humans. They experience humanity. They experience feelings and all that. Um, but there's Blade Runners who go out and retire the ones that act bad, and they have this whole test where they ask them questions, and during that whole thing, they determine if it's a replicant or not, and should this person be retired, which is essentially kill the droid. They kind of have the same thing. Even Pershing at one point goes out. Uh, when it, that whole train sequence, he's wearing Rick Deckard's jacket from mm-hmm. Blade Runner. It's got the pop collar. It's got the lines in it. It's just like he's he's doing his best cosplay there of Rick Deckard. But this whole droid sequence where the droid is asking him questions, um, he's he's it's it's almost the same thing from Blade Runner where they're asking the droids, the replicants, are you still you know do you feel resentment for the empire do you feel this they're just making sure that the program is still inside of l52 that he's that he hasn't recaptured his humanity right that's a lot of talking <laughs> no, that, that makes sense yeah no it totally makes sense because it did feel like like i keep saying it, it feels like the new republic is no different than the empire when it comes to these people yep and when we cut back to him working, there was a couple scenes like you just mentioned him working. Uh, the last time, he's depressed, he's repressed, he doesn't feel like himself. He's just going through the motions. He resents the fact that he can't do work. There's that last scene where he's saying, hey, this this technology could be used for good. It's the imperial technology. Um, we could use this for the betterment of the New Republic. And the New Republic's like, no, just delete it. We don't need it. Right. And so that piece of equipment is exactly how he's feeling symbolically he feels like he's old equipment that's going to be retired and destroyed he's not being used to its full potential even though it could be used for the good of the the, the entire system right and that's when check out the big brain on jason well i i love this episode this is yeah. all connected and this is why i fell in love with it so we go back to that interview with the droid real quick and he clarifies with the droid because he's starting to feel like this is ridiculous. I could be doing good. He says to the droid, our main objective is to help the new Republic. And the droid says, yes. And he says, this supersedes everything else. And the droid says it does. So Pershing interprets this as to do good for the new Republic. I have to do something bad because our first objective is to do good for the new Republic. Right. So that's why he decides I need to go get equipment, cloning equipment for my original mission because I could do good for this thing and they're not seeing my value. Okay, yeah. moving on. <laughs> no, 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 I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. I don't really have anything to add there, but you're right. Uh, I didn't, I didn't never thought about it that way uh, where he is considering himself to that equipment, but it did seem to me, it's like you guys are hurting for stuff and you're going to just destroy it. You know, like they were destroying the Republic uh fleet it's like you're why man just hold on to it but then i also read an article that that sort of they're pushing towards peace and that's their way to push towards peace is by getting rid of the war machine yes Uh, yes 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 
<laughs> um, yeah. There was one of the books leading up to The Force Awakens where they were talking about how they decommissioned the the uh, Rebellion fleet, the New Republic fleet, because of the whole peace thing. We don't need war. We don't need machines. And so when Leia comes back and says, the First Order is a real threat, they're all like, no, no, it's not. And that's why they don't have any ships during the First Order fight, Rise of, The Force Awakens, uh, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker, because they never prepared for this. They decomm- decommissioned the entire fleet. Right. So there's the whole train sequence. That's where we get Tong's day. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, another classic line uh, when they're jumping from train to train, the first train they jump into, um, everyone's looking at them like, what, what's going on? And Pershing tries to mimic what Kane had done before. Tong's day, right? <laughs> and she says, we're going to work on that because yeah. it didn't. It fell like a lead balloon or something like yeah. that. It didn't go over well. And so I, I was just like, that's another classic Star Wars line. That felt like the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, they travel through the tunnels. I believe it's the same tunnels from Attack of the Clones. Oh, where was the whole chase sequence with uh, Zam Wessel when they were in the speeders? Yeah, they they go into a tunnel system, and I don't know if it's the exact same tunnel, but it's very similar. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is that you know the meme from? Hey, 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 hey! There was a lot is. of that in this episode, though, too, because like all the data cards. The first data card when he's going through data cards is the same one that Jaren also has in. Um, yeah, yeah. It'd be oh, funny shoot. if he deleted the, the the Death Star plans. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, they they conveniently jump onto a pad of mattresses when they jump off the train <laughs> it's like oh man yeah they sneak onto a star destroyer and kane apologizes for never introducing herself so she does so she tries to make him feel like a friend they kind of <laughs> have a laugh they navigate to the lab now this is where the excellent directing comes in pershing said he could never believe that he was actually in the lab when he first got there because it was his dream and he was kind of like pinching himself when he first got there and then pershing asks kane what she wanted to be when she grew up and her face is in shadow. Did you catch that? No. Yeah. Her face is in shadow. It's very obscured. And she just says, I didn't really have a chance to think about it. So she from day one became an Imperial. Yeah. And I don't think she ever left. No, I I think she's still there. I think that's why the stuff happens at the end. Um, But then he grabs everything he needs. They leave. Um, they go out into the hallways of the Imperial Star Destroyer and they start seeing shadows and light and they know that they're being followed. So they quickly run out and they come out and they, they say, hey, L5, L52, raise your hands. You're under arrest. And Kane steps out. She grabs the box of materials and walks away, totally setting Pershing up. Pershing wakes up in a lab, and we hear remix music from uh, Max Rebo's band from Return of the Jedi, which I love because it's just classic original trilogy stuff, and it's a deep cut. Um, I think that music is lost. I think they lost that music in the 80s, the original track, so uh, it seemed a little bit different. Mon Calamari comes out and says that G68 has already submitted a report on the incident, meaning that they don't really care to hear L52 side of the story. They trust a cane more than they trust Pershing. Pershing says that the machine that they're connecting him to is a mind flare, which made my son laugh out loud because that's 
my flares from you know Dungeons and Dragons, but it was also recycled, and it's the main villain in uh, uh, Stranger Things. So oh. he he got a he got a kick out of that. Um, well, isn't that what they were using in um, Rogue One too? That whatever that uh, or Saul Guerrero had or Gullet. Yeah. Okay. So it's the same. All right. Um, but this machine is supposed to be non-invasive. It's approved by, for rehabilitation. He's just going to see colors, hear buzzing, and feel relief in no time. Pershing is afraid. He knows better. Um, uh, I laughed out loud when uh, Pershing says to the Mon Calamari, it was a trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, like it doesn't get better than that. You're telling a Mon Calamari what's a trap now. Um He's trying to tell Pershing, Pershing's trying to tell everyone that Kane set him up, and then he's just looking at her, saying, why did you set me up? They hook him to the machine. Um, this is kind of interesting. She says, I'm just going to stay behind. She turns up the power when everyone leaves to really to really hit him hard with this thing that they're, hit, they're rehabilitating him with, quote-unquote. Um, and she's essentially sipping her, her tea as she's doing this. She's Biting away from his favorite snack, the snack that she got to 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 bring to him to help him trust her more and to entrap him in this whole thing, she's just eating the snack like she's just sipping on her tea, you know, right. whatever. Okay, she's a cold-hearted bitch. Yeah. So before we leave this and we cut back to the end of the episode, you know, the question with Kane is, you know, is she a spy? Um, did she kill the original G sixty eight? If they're just name, if they're just numbers, and they're not names, did she infiltrate Amnesty Housing to kill that person and become G sixty eight just to get Pershing to come back to the Empire and deprogram him and help him with the cloning technology again? I didn't think of it that far. I didn't think that she would, you know, would have gone that far as to kill somebody, but I. I uh... I didn't, I assumed, because, you know, when she cranked that thing up, I assumed it was going back even further and wiping his brain completely to where he's not going to remember anything uh, as far as, like, cloning, even down to the cloning. But uh, maybe he, maybe that is, and maybe she'll get him back to the Empire. But if she really wanted to get him back to the Empire, why wouldn't they have just sort of ran away instead of going through the whole because the he's, steps? He's been, he's been programmed to obey, essentially. You know, okay. you do what the New Republic says. You do the right thing. You're not part of that thing anymore. This is where you now. So if and he had trepidation about going to the imperial, the imperial junkyard. He was right. just not sure about doing that. So to, I think it would have been too much of a step to get off planet for him. Okay. And so maybe she's deprogramming him. She's in turning turning up the intensity to uh, remove everything the New Republic is inserted into his brain, or maybe. Because he's always been like that nerdy, introverted, oh, I don't like violence. You know, maybe this thing will make him turn around and just be like, I'm a bad guy now. I don't care. I'm going to get off planet. I'm going to clone everything. You just watch me. Maybe. I didn't. Yeah. I thought she was wiping his brain out completely, but maybe she is trying to reprogram him to to get into the Empire. Because it, it, it definitely feels like they're trying to explain cloning to us and how Snoke got here in The Mandalorian. Yeah. So, uh, who is the convert? It could be referring to Pershing being converted over to the New Republic way of thinking. It could be 
um, Kane deprogramming him and converting him back to the Imperial stuff. It could be the Mandalorian who's been converted in the eyes of the Mandalorians. Din has been converted. It could be Bo-Katan who's been converted over to the, the ways of the Children of the Watch because she's been converted. She's been into the living waters and she hasn't removed her mask yet. So I thought the title itself was on point because it was generic enough to be anybody and it applies to a lot of the main characters. Um, yeah, it could be all three. So real quick, let's just finish this up uh, because <laughs> I'm over the ninety uh, the 60 minute <laughs> limit here. They go. We cut back to Bo and Mando coming back from uh, space. They land on the rocky planet we saw in episode one or chapter seventeen uh, when they're fighting the giant alligator monster. Um, and and coming right out is Paz Vizla, who's just like throwing up every roadblock. You don't belong here. You didn't do this. You know he's very uh, uh, resistant about them coming back into their coven. Is that what they call themselves? Coven? Yeah, they call themselves a coven. Um, and so they go back and and he's he's not in charge. He's the, the armorer's in charge. He's like, so we shall see if you're actually Mandalorian again. So they go back in. They they offer the proof of the living water. She puts it into her um, quelching pool. That's where you you know strengthen the armor in the water. Adding the living waters does something to the Beskar. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe makes it impenetrable, makes it as strong as it is. But anyway, she says, yeah, they've been there. They're, they're part of the, the covenant again. Um, Bo, everybody welcomes Bo-Katan. She hasn't removed her helmet. She's welcome to stay for as long as she wants. Obviously, if she removes her helmet, she's no longer part of the group. Um, I would assume she can leave on her own as long as she doesn't remove the helmet. She's still part of that group. Uh, we do see at the end of the episode, Paz Vizla is in shadows while everyone's congratulating Bo and Din uh, for returning. Paz is in the shadows. He's not happy. No. Um, Bo-Katan notices the Mythosaur skull on the wall, which to me means that she's reaching for something bigger. She still wants to be the leader of the Mandalorians. She's been alone for so long, so maybe she's welcoming being back in this covenant because she's surrounded by her people now, the Mandalorians. Um, but we had talked about at the beginning about the the Mandalorians um, in, in fighting and where this is leading towards. You know, Bo-Katan in the last episode was talking about all the infighting and how it's weakened them. And then here you've got Paz Vizla watching them, not happy that Bo-Katan from Clan Kreese is back. Uh, so that's just setting up more infighting and uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I because you remember he was not happy that Denjarin had the dark saber because he's Vizla and Pre Vizla was the one that had it. So his his line, clan. his clan is the one that had the dark saber originally. Um, but yeah, I definitely I have a feeling that uh, Bo Katan's going to meet you know because there's also a rumor that there, there's 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 chatter that she technically owns the dark saber now because Din Djarin was disarmed and then she got it back when he was in the uh in captured by that that thing so will her and din get it or will she bring that up uh there's the whole mythosaur thing that a mandalorian's going to ride that into a new age of mandalore it it there's a lot going on with that one uh with that one thing 
you know, is is her and Din going to start a romantic relationship? Because people are are talking about that, too, because she's, you know, all of a sudden, is she falling in love with Din Djarin? What's going to happen? I thought that in the last episode, but this one makes me think she's more ambitious than yeah. in love. She I wants think, to go back to the top. Yeah, that's what I think her her end game is, is she wants the Darksaber and she wants to rule Mandalore. Um and I totally think that's going to happen. I, I'm I'm really curious now where this season's going to go because they wrapped up a lot of stuff in three episodes. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as like the living waters and all that, because people were like, "Man, it could take it could take him eight episodes to get there," and he was there in three. Yeah, yeah, it's moved a lot real fast, like you're yeah. saying. And I'm also looking forward to what executive producer Rick Famayuma was saying with the big icons coming mm-hmm. and he says it really opens up after you know see, uh, episode three of this season so we hit episode three like what happens Ooh. yeah i'm curious man uh you know they could i don't know man i am i mean it could very well be that the warlord that they were hinting at is not gideon it is thrawn and if oh. they're filming yeah i was afraid to say it because <laughs> take your imagination don't but don't mess with my head cannon i man. know but if if they're film if they're filming, you know, Ahsoka, it could have just been a three second shot of Thrawn sitting in the chair, just, you know, bring him to me or something like that. And yeah. Or capture the castle or something like that, you know? And mm-hmm. it's easy to insert that into the season as a tease for Ahsoka. Right. I don't think they're gonna introduce Thrawn in this um season. And that I think you're you're more gonna see, you're either gonna see, you're definitely gonna see Ahsoka. And then it's it's a toss up between Hera and Sabine, I think. <laughs> I, I really do, man. Don't don't laugh at me, man. I know you're going to see Ahsoka because Ahsoka was in the at the previews. I mean, uh, Rosario Dawson was at the. Uh, oh, was she? Yeah, she was at the premiere. I didn't realize that. Uh, it was very. It, she wasn't with the group, but there was like pictures of her at the premiere, and she was like, "I can't wait to see what this season brings." So it's oh. like, uh, what what are you doing, Rosario? Uh, so. <sighs> Yeah, I I think it's going to be a toss-up. I don't think we're going to see Thrawn. I don't think we're going to see Ezra. We already saw the Space Whales. I think there's too big a story to tell in Ahsoka to tease Thrawn right now because you got to figure out how they find him. Uh, yeah, I, but to counterpoint you real quick, I think uh, Thrawn has already been introduced when they mentioned his name last season. Okay. So he's already been teased. Okay. The, the tease... Sorry, I didn't mean to shut no, you down. No, no, I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. No, I'm... <laughs> I'm I, I just think you. the tease has been done. So the next step is a visual. That would be amazing. But yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't want them to book a Boba Fett Thrawn being introduced. And what I mean by that is, <laughs> sorry, you just looked down the little hole of your coffee cup and took me No, I want to make thing. sure I get all the chocolate. Sometimes <laughs> the chocolate and the mocha gets stuck at the bottom and then you finish the coffee and you realize that there's like a chunk of chocolate and i'm like why did i pay for chocolate if the chocolate's at the bottom and i can't get to it um crap and i but anyway i don't want to book a boba <laughs> fetting thrawn coming into this where you know all of a sudden you're there's this big build up and so what's going to happen with baby yoda and and the mandalorian and he there's a battle and then there comes baby yoda in a freaking x-wing and he's back with Boba Fett, back with Mandalorian in, in two seconds in the middle of a battle. Um, maybe it will. Uh, 
dude, I'm I'm just I'm too. And then there's other scenes where you're seeing, you know, the Mandalorians drop out of the gauntlet or out of a spaceship into battle. So and then you kind of saw that that you can kind of put two and two together and be like, that's the gauntlet. Uh, yeah. So it's like these guys are getting ready to go into battle. I'm somewhere. excited. I like what. Yeah, maybe now that Bo-Katan's part of there, they're like, let's go back and hit back on the uh, Mandalore is a viable place to live. Our yeah. planet was attacked. Let's go back and attack the empire for destroying my castle. But yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. That is what's going to happen totally. And I do think it's Moth Gideon. I, I don't think uh, anybody, I don't think anybody else would have gone after her. I don't think the empire would have gone after her like that. It's got to be Moth Gideon because yeah. they, they're hinting at him. They're like, oh, he's dressed as a Mandalorian. He's got Mandalorian style armor this season or a helmet or something. So it, it's had to have been Moth Gideon uh, bringing that attack. So I think we'll see him, if not this episode, in the next episode. Uh, It'd be inter- just- an interesting turn. Sorry, you just mentioned him in armor. If he is a Mandalorian. Yeah. And he was just pulled into the Empire. But, you know, he had the Darksaber. So maybe that's how he got it, is that he's true blood Mandalorian. And he's just working for the Empire. That would be interesting because yeah, you don't you have no clue how he defeated Bo Katan to get the dark saber. Or how Bo uh, you have no clue how Bo Katan lost the Darksaber and Moth Gideon got it. So that's a totally other story we could tell in this uh yeah. in Mandalorian. I'm excited about this season. I was hesitant after Book of Boba. You keep looking at your window. I keep where's, looking. I got where's like my, my where's my Wampa? Where's my Wampa? Um I'm excited after the Book of Boba. It's fat. just the mail. I hear the mail. I'm sorry. And some of the, no, it's fine. And some of the lackluster episodes and the lackluster writing and some of the inconsistencies, I was just like, is John Favreau burnt out? Mm-hmm. Is is the, the quality kind of diminishing because he's spread too thin? But this is kind of giving me faith that, no, they're doing the right thing. They brought in a new writer. I really enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed the past two episodes. Um, I'm just having fun watching it. So, uh, yeah, it's good stuff, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, just remember it. It's yeah, you don't overthink stuff, man. It, it, and that's just what enjoy I enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. And John Favreau or you know Dave Filoni, they know what they're doing. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure out Bad Batch, but I think finally we we know where that's going. I know we got to go, but uh, yeah. you know, just enjoy the ride. And I hope that you know at least it's a better season than Bad Batch has been. Yep. Uh, we don't have anything new for the community board this week, but the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors is hosting again its first toy show on Saturday, May 13th from 11 to 4 at Second Chance Toys and Collectibles. This toy show is to benefit the children's health care of Atlanta. We have plenty of vendors to shop from. This has, again, been approved by the 501st for an, a, an event they could participate in. Uh, 100% of our raffle proceeds will go to the children's health care of Atlanta We'll also be accepting donations if you don't want to wait around for the raffle and just drop something in to help with that organization. Cho is a not-for-profit children's health care system dedicated for caring for infants, children's teens, and young adults ages 0 through 21 throughout the state of Georgia. Right. Don't forget Toylana the 24th through the 26th. Oh, yeah. That's next weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Or this weekend, depending this weekend, on your point yeah. of view. So stop by and see us. We'll be around. We'll be around all weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you for listening to the Smugglers Galaxy podcast. If you could, please leave a like and a five-star review of the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If it's allowed, it really helps us out and points people to our show. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Send us an email or message us. We love feedback. We'd love to make you part of our show. 
Our email address is smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. Thank you to Alfonso Riviera for the Smugglers Galaxy logo. You could find him at Rock the Force Podcast. And thank you to Levi Waterhouse for the music. Hasbro, we release VC66. Hashtag vote with your wallet. Pass on what you've learned. Be a positive force in the collecting community. This is the way. This is the way.